Welcome back to another edition of Sports Tech Atlanta Seed Talk. I'm your host, Sterling Mack, joined on the other end by Taylor Mack. Today we'll jump into a couple stories I think you'll find interesting as far as fantasy and kind of a, a player stock market, uh, as well as we'll talk through the, the breaking news really updated news, I should say, instead of breaking news uh, on the African Basketball League. Obviously, it's gotten a ton of attention because of J. Cole uh, here in recent weeks. But we'll start off with, I think, some cool news. I saw an article talking about tech investment into diversity uh, coming out of what was the summer of 2020. Obviously, following George Floyd's death, there were a lot of companies that said, you know, we are going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to do this better, yada, yada. Then an article came out saying, you know, in reality, a lot of these companies either haven't changed or actually some of their numbers of diversified, um, uh, you know, workers have actually decreased, uh, which is super interesting. So I wanted to highlight the other side of that, a company that has uh, really made good on, on their promise, which is Google. So Google back in the summer, really kind of uh, towards the fall of last year. So they're going to commit $100 million in 2021 to Black-led organizations. So far, up to this point this year, they've committed $60 million of, of that capital uh, and also providing access to a suite of support uh, for those organizations and for their portfolio companies. And really in the hopes, right, that Google's commitments will prompt more investments from the industry and create a larger pool of capital to put dollars in the hands of black founders. So I, I wanted to highlight that. I know, you know, sometimes I think tech companies get this, you know, they, they get bad mouth a little bit and, and maybe rightfully so from some of the, the non-diversity that we see uh, when you, when you walk into the building, when you're interacting uh, at a customer level, but uh, really good on Google of making good on their promise here. So I'm going to highlight so far the organizations uh, that Google has committed 60 million to date. Uh, so it's a long list, so bear with me here. So Collab Capital, Concrete Rose, Nemus Ventures, Plex Plexo Capital, Rain Ventures, Slauson and Company, and then the Black Lead Startups are City Block Health. I think that's it, actually. Yeah, I read that almost entirely wrong. So uh, really cool there. Again, shout out to Google for, again, making good on their promise. There's another $40 million in investments uh, that will go to Black Lead Startups and investment firms by the end of the year. Again, making good on their $100 million promise from 2020. The other news we wanted to highlight is Austin FC has launched a Dream Starter competition. It's going to be an annual business initiative allowing Austinites from underrepresented groups to demonstrate ingenuity and compete for $100,000. Uh, the funds are to jumpstart and or accelerate their entrepreneurial venture. It's in collaboration with Div Inc., an Austin-based nonprofit. Um, the application process is actually open now, so it opened on May 11th, and the selected winning venture will be announced at Austin FC's inaugural home match on June 19th. June 19th at the Q2 Stadium. So shout out to Austin FC. Shout out. Always great uh, when you see a, uh, you know, a team obviously kind of putting, um, you know, you know, putting energy into really helping underrepresented groups, uh, you know, get gain funding and also, you know, giving them a, a place, right, to, to kind of highlight what they're trying to do. So, again, good on Austin FC and definitely check them out if you're in that area and looking for funding for your startup. 
The first story we've got today is Jock MKT. So this is a Boston startup that developed a trading platform for fantasy sports. They actually just raised $10 million in venture capital funding. Um, it's really a mobile app that's sort of like a financial market app based on fantasy sports metrics. Uh, so the players are ranked by fantasy sports, fantasy points, excuse me, accumulated at the end of each contest and then shares of each player that assigned a value based on how the player finished, which is super kind of interesting, right? It's, it's this fantasy sports idea mixed with what we've seen with the stock market, right? This, this up and down valuations of how things can grow and move. Um, Taylor, what do you think about this idea? And then what do you think about this moving forward in, in terms of the valuations of athletes? Yeah. So Jock MKT, uh, they like, to, you know, you pronounce it as Jock Market. Uh, that's the way that they're, they're looking at it. And um, you have a board member from DraftKings that is um, an early investor with uh, on this campaign. And I, I think it's an idea that at first I was a little bit wary of it. And so I, I mentioned the DraftKings because they have, they have individuals involved with this that uh, aren't new to the game and they understand what they're doing um, with this, you know, right now phone based application. And it's just like Robin hood is what they're, they're trying to describe it as. And that is um, it's, the quote is it's, it's like a, you know, Robin hood tied to major passion for sports and it's a new markets, market segment within the daily fantasy sports aspect of things. So, just like Robinhood, you buy shares and then those shares go up and down. You play in the stock market. This is stock market for sports. And so you, you we you know, we had an interesting comment off air about, you know, what would happen if you would say bet Phil Mickelson to start the PGA championship that just that just uh, concluded this past weekend. And if his share was, you know, three dollars a share and um, it's going to be interesting how many shares are going to be out there per per uh, athlete. Sure. But, you know, you gobble up however many shares and then he jumps up to $15 and you're like, oh, I'm selling, selling, selling. So it's it's interesting. It's interesting to see who when a person is hot and their stock is hot, like who's buying that stock, you know, or, or is that going to be the common fan thinking that $15 can jump to 25? You know, it's not you don't have financial institutions saying, you know, trying to gobble up um, these stocks because it's what is they're not in this. So that's just, it's, it's interesting, but I like the idea to start off with. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, I agree. I think it's, what's interesting too is the ranking of the fantasy points, right? Uh, I, I couldn't find any enough information there of what that algorithm is, how they're basing the fantasy points. So essentially how the stock or the valuation of a player can go up or down. Um, and yeah, but it is one of these, you know, we're, we're, there's, there's been a couple of these that have come out where they're trying to do some sort of market, uh, you know, kind of type thing for athletes, right? Trying to put valuations on athletes where you can kind of buy and share. Mm-hmm. I think it's a little tricky too, I think just from representation perspective, right? Anytime you're kind of buying and selling. But I, I do like the fact that it's this, this point system, this fantasy point system that I think we're all kind of used to fantasy, and then tying it to real dollars and then seeing how the valuations move up and down. Uh, to your point, if you had bet Phil Mickelson or if you bought shares of Phil Mickelson going into the weekend, you would have had a very good weekend or if you just bet on Phil in general to win. Uh, so this is I, – I think it's pretty cool, obviously, um, being able to use some of the uh, online platforms like DraftKings or FanDuel uh, as well to be able to, to 
enhanced evaluation or, or kind of look at you know how they're propping up propping up or, or looking at some of their daily wagers as well i i think is a cool aspect of the platform uh, but we'll see how many people start to to get into this obviously the funding i'm sure is going to help from a marketing perspective but also to enhance what their platform is and i wonder from an athlete standpoint because this technically isn't gambling this could be considered stocks in in a certain way so can an athlete depending on the bylaws of a, of a you know given league, gobble up their shares and like, I'm hot. Like that's you're Pete Rosen yourself. But instead of going to a casino or a bookie, you're just doing it through this now athletic stock exchange and you're purchasing your own shares essentially. So, or what's the cut going to be for that for just for, for players as well? What, like, what would they, what would the split be? It's, right. there's a lot of questions on the surface. This looks really good. I think there's a, and there's, like I said, there's DraftKings involved with this. A member from DraftKings, you have an MIT grad. There are some smart individuals that are a part of this. And obviously, they're looking towards the future when you have legal ramifications and everything. So they know what, what they're getting into. Um, I'm interested to see where they go. And like you said, with the, the analytics that they have, what, what metrics are they going to be using? You know, are there going to be futures? Am I going to be able to have pre market? You know, <laughs> like what, what's it going to look like? You know, is it going to just be strictly nine to four? nine to five, you know, nine to five, how are they going to, how are they going to structure all of this? And, you know, and so, uh, you know, when a rookie comes on, is, is there going to be an IPO drop initially? So like LaMelo ball, once he entered in the league, is there going to be a few, is there, is there an IPO offering for him? And then that could just drop or, you know, is it going to hold or drop? Like it's, there's a lot of questions. If you've been playing the stocks, because everybody's been doing the Robin hood and, you know, we won't even, we shouldn't even mention that name, but, but, everybody's been doing you know the passive trading as COVID right. has hit so it's this is interesting I'm, I'm really it's piqued my as you can see it's piqued my interest yeah no to your point i think they're they're the questions there around could an athlete buy shares or another athlete are their own is incredibly interesting i think for the most part right athletes are still banned through their collective bargaining to not engage in fantasy sports and obviously gambling so if the, to your point this shouldn't be considered gambling. I wonder though, because they're using platforms like DraftKings or FanDuel, mm-hmm. how that all is being viewed and what that, you know, how that will look within their collective bargaining. Yeah. Just to give a little bit more stats. I know we were talking a little bit freely. They already have 25,000 accounts that have signed up and they are currently um, dealing with the PGA tour. So you can bet with bet on golfers. And I believe there are two other sports that I saw as well that are, are NHL and MLB are starting up. They started up here in early 2021. And then they also have um, NFL and NBA as well on there. So they are slowly but surely, surely acquiring all of the major sports. And then it'd be cool to see like F1. Or, you know, if they go to the other extreme type sports that are, look, you know, driving, all those type of stuff. So, right. yeah, this is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Again, that is Jock Market or Jock MKT. I mean, but, you know, just to kind of follow up, though, because I can't stop. My mind, it really has my mind going. Like, imagine this would definitely help if they can get it done the right way. This would definitely help the smaller um sports on the scale of like to the scale like NBA, MLB. So like, say like, you know, for Simone Biles, imagine having, being able to buy in there and you've held, you know, that her, her stock say since 2014, if you're able to go back and if you're looking now, you know, in the future, do that, do that timetable out. You know what I mean? So it can, and then you're putting eyeballs say for the WNBA, um, 
you know, Diamond to Shields, died, you know, a young, she's not a rookie, but a younger player that you can invest in. Now you're going to put eyeballs on these games because they just want to see, like, all right, I'm trying to keep track. So, yeah, yeah, I'm really interested. See how this goes. Yeah, yeah agreed. Second story we've got today is Neuroflex comes to you from Cicade Analytics. So Neuroflex is a virtual reality technology uh, that's going to be used during matches as part of a head injury assessment process under a new partnership between Rugby Australia, Rugby New Zealand, and World Rugby. So Neuroflex records horizontal and vertical movement of the eyes and head movements, and within seconds analyzes that data and generates a report, which helps medical personnel to diagnose and manage concussions. Uh, it will also be used as part of the return-to-play process to monitor players' return from head injuries. Really cool technology. Obviously, we need more of this. This is in rugby. Uh, obviously, over here uh, within football, we also need something like this. So really cool to see how this partnership will do, but also their technology moving forward uh, from the virtual reality perspective. Taylor, what do you think about this one? I mean, it just continues to, to, to show rugby, although not as popular. I mean, it's very popular like in Australia, but you know, it's not on the level of, of NFL for that check or anything. But they continue to show that they are ahead of the game still when it comes to safety. And, um, you know, obviously it started off with the the form and practicing and making sure, you, you know, you keep your head out of it. But uh, and it, it had to safety in comparison to the NFL is what I was, it was, what I was saying. But, um, yeah, I, I really like this, and let's see how it can be adapted. Obviously, there, it's going to be a comparison to a baseline of, of other concussions that they've seen. So that's where the metrics come so they can know, like, oh, yeah, like he's clearly – from the way his eyes move and the, and the, right. and the movement clearly have a concussion right now. It's backed up by thousands, thousands and thousands worth of pieces of data. And in seconds, they'll, they'll know um, what somebody has, but also on the flip side of the flip side of things, um, you're going to have a lot more people out because you know, the, the basic tell sign they say is if you've had your bell wrong, if you've ever seen stars or anything like that, you feel fine, but that is a sign of a concussion. So um, with the way that safety measurements now or safety regulations now are, are for a lot of sports, if a referee sees that, you know, you don't look that you don't look all right, but you feel all right, they'll send you off and then you have to get checked. So um, this will be interesting. And then if you have um, on, on your stock portfolio under jock, under jock market, you better be looking for somebody new real quick. Who, who's that backup that I can buy shares of? I'm sorry. I love, I love the product. I'm, I'm still thinking it out. But um, no, this is a, a good benchmark, and I, I hope the NFL can adapt it, uh, adopt it, and then other um, leagues as well. Because like the NBA isn't immune from head injury. We, we've seen some freak stuff happen, so I, I, I like where this is heading. Yeah, yeah, again, good. It's great to use. You know, obviously the new technology that's available, being a virtual reality. Uh, platform here and to your point there right to be able to compare the accuracy of concussion identification just based off of eye and head movement is pretty incredible right to your point before we've if you've ever seen guys going to the tent i'm going to use the nfl right now guys going into the tent and they're you know they're they're checking your eye movements but it's again you're you know a doctor's eyes um you know, kind of evaluating, right. Or, or just, you know, being able to kind of look at and see how your head like moves uh, as they're like making you follow a pin or something like that. So mm-hmm. um, it'll be great to see to your point, kind of what this brings about. And also it's great to also have a baseline going into what we, what we know for people, right. To be able to keep people safe from head injuries and, and to your point to keep people out of play when they, when they are showing symptoms of, of a concussion. Right. 
So we'll jump into funding rounds here. We're going to start off with a little quick discussion here on the NBA's venture in Africa. Um, I don't have any numbers here because the NBA has not released some, but the NBA has formed as Africa Business Operation and it's lured investors, including former players like Tikembe Mutombo, Grant Hill, and Junior Brigman. Um, the NBA's the NBA Africa, excuse me, will oversee the league's business throughout the con- throughout the continent, including operating Basketball Africa League, which just recently launched. Like I said at the beginning in the intro, obviously Jay Cole highlighting that as he's playing over there. So the entity will establish corporate partnerships, expand content and media rights, and provide support for local governments seeking to build new basketball arenas. The NBA envisions basketball being a top sport throughout Africa in the next ten years with this new. Venture really announcement. NBA Africa is now valued at nearly a billion dollars. Taylor, what do you think about this? I, I don't know if you want to talk about J. Cole playing over there, but uh, what do you think about the NBA going to Africa and obviously propping up the value of that league? Mean, you mean Cole? Put it, put an M on your head. You Luigi brother now, Cole. That's who we talking about. Jermaine Cole. Uh, three points, I think he had, which. <laughs> I know every NBA player was like, C. <laughs> Everybody always wants to hype up, like, oh, he's he looks nice out on the court. Like, yeah, you had lifetime fitness. No disrespect to Cole. I know he played in college, but he's been away from the game for a while and has not, you know, and now he's been trying to get back into it. But you don't just step out there and drop 30 on, you know, pro pro basketball players. Like, we all know the difference when you see that one dude come in who played Division Two. And can just light it up in a, in a at the uh, pickup games at the Y or something. So this is a whole nother level. This is professional. So right. uh, good luck to him. And obviously he's bringing good eyeballs to NBA Africa, and that's exactly what the NBA wants, anyways. You know, uh, there's no such thing as bad publicity. And um, I, I think there's a good formula here, and then it'll be kind of cool too to see once you know ten years from now is what they're looking to to have this as the number one sport in Africa is what they're they're looking to anticipate. I mean, if you put a a, a team and one in every country that could change the dynamics of what, you know, how people kind of view their soccer clubs and that type of support. So I just want to know if they, cause every, every continent and every country, every culture is different. So obviously football as in soccer has been here for a long time. So you have that established connection and you know, that formula will always work and it's a very inexpensive game to play, especially in, uh, a lot of places. First off, they always make Africa look like Africa, like the whole entire continent is just poor. No, there are a lot of African countries that have a lot of money. It's just not uh, published out there by the media for some reason, because they don't want you to always know that for some reason. It's weird. But not all of Africa is people in, you know, the, on the safari and the back countries and in right. huts and everything like that. So I want to first clear up that mis- common misconception about Africa. So uh, there is a lot of opportunity there. It's just you want to make sure that the first couple teams that there's a connection there with the fans and that you see people coming out um, because not everybody supports sports as feverishly as we do here in the States. So if that continues to grow and there is that interest, that would be awesome. And then it'd be really cool because you can now claim real world championship with your NBA league versus the African NBA league and see, you know, whoever is the champion from both of those leagues. Lakers play in Uganda's somebody team. Uh, I don't I don't have all the names in front of me, but I, I like where the investment is and, and what they are um, foreseeing for the future. And this will definitely it's a lot of talent over there. And there's there's so many people that live 
uh, on that continent. And um, this would change a lot of lives over there and um, opportunities for people. Yeah, agreed. I think the opportunity part is is huge in this, right? With the NBA's now footprint in Africa, you know, that's more jobs, that's more eyeballs on basketball, to your point, trying to grow a game that's been, uh, you know, a little slow to kind of boom over there. Obviously, soccer is the, the main sport that's played. And then, uh, you know, you got like rugby um, and, and some other sports. So it's like, it's, it's definitely interesting. It's also interesting to see what the NBA did in China, right? So not getting into the politics of what happened with Daryl Morey and the tweet and everything like that. But up until that point, I mean, that's a $5 billion business that the NBA had grown launching the NBA in China. So can to your point, right, with the revenue streams that are in Africa, can the NBA do something very similar, duplicate, uh, you know, those efforts? And I think they can. Um, I think this is an awesome opportunity. And, and to your point, I think to prop up, very strange how obviously the media like portrays Africa all the time. So really cool to see, uh, really to see Africa in the forefront and, and, you know, different images coming out of there, right. From a media perspective, which I think would be really cool as well, which will change the narrative, change the landscape. You know, it's going to be really weird to think about as the NBA continues to, to put their footprint or I mean, or globally. So NBA is kind of like Skynet. Be truthfully honest. Let's think about it. The commissioner of the NBA, this is what the NFL has been trying to achieve, but they can't do it because of the the uh, ferociousness of the sports, the, the, the dangerous aspect that comes along with mm-hmm. it. But the commissioner of the NBA in 20 years can be more powerful than the sitting president of the United States of America, if you really think about it. I don't you know have, you have, where you're going with this or how that would work. I'm saying because so so you have – NBA Africa, say and you have NBA China, you already have NBA in the United States, you're in all of these countries and, and continents, and you obviously have to be in tune with local governments or, or, or country governments, and you have their approval and their blessing to be there. And so, because you're bringing in money for them, they're bringing in money for you, it's a mutual partnership. And if they continue to establish themselves, and I don't think Australia has enough opportunity to make an NBA Australia, but you could do an NBA uh, no, it's way too much travel uh, for flying, but um, but yes, imagine if you if you flip the FIBA and you make that an NBA partnership because they can see the fruits of the labor or, or how much more beneficial it would be to be a part under the under the shield in Europe. So you can be in all these places, and I know that that's what they if you can put your flag down because that's what Americans love to do anyways. We did it on the moon, and now if you want to do it everywhere else. Uh, the commissioner honestly could potentially be more powerful than the than uh than the sitting sitting president. Obviously, you're not going to be able to launch a nuke or anything like that. But people might come to you and be like, "Hey, we're going to need you guys to to do this campaign because we're having some uh, bilateral struggles with uh, like Russia or something." I don't know. No, it's going to be yeah. I mean, that's a ridiculous comment that more power than the president. But it can I happen. do agree with I think what your sentiment is is that the NBA's reach is it's always been global, but now this is a different footprint, right? And now, uh, you know, they're able strategically, right? Able to do some different things than they've ever done before from a global perspective, which I think is really cool. So uh, yeah, we'll see how this works. It's interesting as you kind of say that one of the quotes coming out of the press conference, I believe was yesterday, maybe Saturday uh, before the NBA games, 
was the he actually said this. Adam Silver said there are some structural similarities in that we've taken a geographical area and carved it into a distinct entity and added strategic partners because we recognize that was the best opportunity for growth. Silver said when asked about NBA's NBA Africa's comparison to his China business, and I think that's interesting. And obviously, there's he's trying to like mince words there because of the political aspects of it, but the strategic part of this, the strategic partnership part of uh, side of this, also the investments and the money aspects of this. Now that you're, you're, you're pulling from now African businesses and African, uh, there's a, I believe a Toronto um, uh, company. Let me get the correct here. Yeah. An investment holding firm uh, that trades on the Toronto stock exchange, right. That's now involved in this. So now you're, you're really pulling globally financials, uh, which I think is huge. And again, to your point, understanding, those relationships is going to prop up the NBA in a way that the NFL and really major league baseball uh, can't do at this point. Right. And I, I wonder just from like a payment standpoint, how are they going to structure if, if they continue to just keep, you know, getting larger and larger, like right. that's a lot of employees under one, like under one shield, you're, you're international. I know there's company, you know, Amazon, everybody's, there's a lot of global companies. It's just really interesting where, where their future is going. But um I will say Adam Silver has not misstepped except for doing the condensed schedule this year, which led to more injuries, but he has been on the ball. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's by far the best commissioner. I would also say him not suspending LeBron this past weekend as a misstep. LeBron absolutely violated the COVID protocols. Obviously we're in a different place with COVID. It's, it looks like LeBron has not been vaccinated and that's a whole nother conversation and, and, topic but he made he made everybody else bring that card because apparently shannon sharp was at the event as well and he said that you had to show your vaccine card but if lebron's not vaccinated then what's the point but also you're not allowed to go to a party he's lebron he was at a tequila party with michael b jordan shannon sharp and drake he's lebron james i'm not listen i know he's lebron james i know who he is you know he's you know the dramatics of lebron the best is uh, there's multiple people that have called this out, but we'll get back to the funding really quickly. LeBron getting undercut, which was not a dirty play by Chris. It Paul. wasn't. Chris Paul's done some dirty plays in his life. But they literally LeBron say, falls, yeah. which on one side, he actually, I don't think he was hurt, hurt, but I'm sure that didn't feel good, right? Like he fell yeah. awkwardly. and he, But he fell awkwardly because he was trying to sell Chris Paul coming underneath him, and then right. he topples. Then realizing that people are not focused on him. He walks up and goes to where the scuffle was with Alfred Payton. So that everybody can see him. So that everybody can see him. Just listen. Uh, Give, I mean, he needs, he needs some sort of award. He really does. I mean, taking acting to a whole new level. I mean, you're, you're, I love the fact that though, that everybody can't deny the greatness in his talent. Yes. We all, we all know how good he is. But to be that big and a grown man and always being that overly dramatic <laughs> makes no sense whatsoever. Zero sense. But now everybody's to the point where you just we're all openly laughing at it. And it might make LeBron James change. They might make LeBron James change. I don't think so. he does read Twitter. We all know he reads social media. Oh, he reads everything. But I think now it's part of it's part of who he is. Yeah, unfortunately. But yeah, I, I hate that everybody was like, Chris Paul is a dirty play. No, it's not. What's the first thing they tell you as a coach? You box out the shooter, and he just came from the three point line and did it. It's actually a smart play. It was actually a smart play because the guy in the lane didn't come over for LeBron. Right. And then so Chris Paul came and hip checked him. Yeah. It was a, Chris Paul, CP3 is just good. But yeah, funding rounds.
Yeah, we'll finish it up here. Last two collectibles trading app rally announced that they closed a $30 million series B funding round, but the plan to expand its product offerings of alternative assets and build out their infrastructure. The ultimate goal is make everything a tradable asset. So shout out to rally. We've talked about them a few times here on this podcast uh, as the collectibles market has really taken off here over the last uh, really last few months, but also last couple of years here, it just, just really booming uh, with, with cards, uh, but also just sports memorabilia in general. The last one here, Delta Trainer, a one-on-one remote personal training company, raised $3.3 million in a round of seed funding to boost development of its platform and wearable technology. The Pittsburgh-based company uh, was co-founded, uh, or should say was founded in 2018 to provide fitness training based on tracking of users' movements via Apple Watch motion, motion analysis. So shout out to Delta Trainer there. And that concludes our funding rounds. We appreciate uh, you listening. Definitely check us out, uh, Sports Tech Atlanta Media, or just Sports Tech Atlanta, uh, to find news and updates, as well as myself at Steamac or Taylor at TaylorMac29, IG, and Twitter there. So we appreciate it. Continue to listen, rate, subscribe, and we'll see you in the next edition of Sports Tech Atlanta Sea Talk.